We're going to start with the scripture this morning, uh, John chapter 17, verse 3. That's only going to be a starting off place. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture. So, uh, a long time ago, I, I don't know when, and I don't even I don't even know the story. I'm going to have to find the story, but but this some of you were probably around then. But but this church um, came to be called New Life Foursquare Gospel Church, and we reflect on that name, New Life, and we think about the new life that we have in Jesus, right? As we give ourselves to God and we put our faith in Jesus, Scripture talks about how we are um, forgiven, how we've died to sin, and we've been raised to newness of life in Him. And in this month of January, we've been kind of just recentering and refocusing on, okay, make sure that we're covering the bases and um, focused on the things that we want to be focused on. And so as we think about our name and how we live new life in Jesus, the, the thing that, that comes to my mind is that I want to live that life well. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full, life abundantly. And that's not just like we have a lot of stuff going on in our lives, but it's about the quality of our lives, that we live good lives, that we, that we live well. And you'll have heard me repeat this phrase over and over again, because I think it's just a, a focus of what we're supposed to be doing. And over the last two years, we've been talking about these categories of life where we want to live well. What does it mean to live well in Jesus, to live well before God? And we have to make sure that we are living well in different areas of our life if we want to experience the abundant life that Jesus has for us. So what we're going to do this morning as part of our January refocus and just like recenter ourselves, is we're going to go back and look at some of the things that we've covered over the last two years and, and review and remind ourselves this morning where we want to be in our walk with God in this life and in this world, right? And so we're talking about some of the ground that, we co- that we've covered to remind ourselves, but also I want you to use this time as a time of assessment, like Where am I in the midst of these things? If this is what God is calling me to, per his word, not because Brandon is standing up here saying it, but because this is what God says in his word, how we should live, um, where am I and and how am I doing? And not even so much so that you can feel bad and beat yourself up and go, I missed it there and I blew it there. If there are those places, yes, we do need to repent. We We want to turn and to live the way that God calls us to live. But but more along the lines of like, am I living the abundant life that Jesus has for me? Am I um, overflowing in his love, the, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Like those things are the markers of, of spirituality. Those things are the markers of, of right relationship with Jesus, of the Spirit living inside of us. And so we, we want to, to reassess our lives and evaluate our lives so that we can experience more fully the life that God has for us, experience more fully the love that he has, the quality of relationships that he desires for us, the, the, the things that we do in life, that, that we would experience the fulfillment that he has in the plans that he has for us, all right? So we want to live well. And over the last two years, we've talked about three main areas, three main categories of things. 
The first of these is our communion with God. And we've been saying that we want to deepen our communion with God, right? So we were designed for close connection, intimate relationship with God. He made us. And Scripture describes this as a knowing, all right? So if you read here in John chapter 17, verse 3, it says this. Jesus is, is praying for his disciples, and he says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, right? This is important, right? Because Jesus offers eternal life. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life, right? Jesus is offering eternal life, and we crave that because Scripture says God put eternity in our hearts. And when we experience a death or a loss or something like that, we, 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 we like just fight against it because like it doesn't feel right. It's like this is not how things are supposed to be. And so we long for eternal life, and Jesus offers us eternal life, and we need to make sure that we have a correct picture of eternal life. I'm not sure of all the details of what that's going to be like, but sometimes we, we imagine in our own head some things that are just a little off. And Jesus is pointing out that eternal life is about being in relationship with God, being in deep communion with Him, right? It's about knowing Him, and being known by him. Think about any close relationship that, that you have, whether it's a friend or a spouse or a child. You, you only get that closeness by knowing one another, right? By, by, by revealing yourselves to one another, by taking a risk and opening up and showing them who you really are and showing your heart, right? That's how we would describe a close relationship. It's a, it's a knowing and being known. And if we want to have eternal life, it's all about knowing God, the Father, knowing Jesus, being filled with his spirit, right? Life he, he is about knowing Jesus. He is the source of life. He is the sustainer of life. And we find that eternity is not, like what makes heaven heaven, whatever we picture in our mind about how great and glorious it's going to be, it's good because God is there, not just because there's stuff that we'll enjoy, food or buildings or activities, or whatever the case may be, it's good because God is there. He is, he is life, right? So this communion with God then is offered to us, and the Apostle John in his, his letter, 1 John, he talks about this fellowship that we have with God. He, he's inviting his, his listeners, his readers, into fellowship, and he says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We talked about that word fellowship last week. It's about this deep commitment and it's about a, a devotion and a, a shared life together where there's uh, contribution and, and also receiving. There's this mutual um, beneficial relationship going on there. And he's inviting us into this fellowship with the God who made the universe, right? God is saying, I want you to know me. We read further in Scripture that, that this is a relationship that's marked by love, not, not by fear, but it but we're, we're told that we're to love the Lord your God with our heart, with our soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. That, that we love God with our entire being. It should get into every piece of us. Every part of us should be permeated with the love of God. And so 
as we think about our communion with God, this, this, this first piece of living well, we ask the question, well, what are the things that we can do to help deepen our relationship with God, to help deepen that communion with Him? All right, and we talked about some spiritual practices. Now, these aren't the only spiritual practices that, that you can do, but we talked specifically about six spiritual practices that were, that were key, especially in our day and age of just running and busyness and everything that's flooding us, everything that's coming at us, everything that demands our attention. And we talked about these specific areas. If we're going to love the Lord with all that we are, these are the things that we're going to have to figure out how to do. The first of those things was to slow down. Now, I run these things in my head all day, every day, trying to figure out how to do this, right? Because it's, it's difficult. It's, it's not easy to do this. But we need to realize that the pace of modern life is not always healthy. We're going to have to figure out how to focus in on Jesus and simply be with him. As we talk... Um, as we've talked about this subject, there's a gentleman by the name of Peter Scazzaro, and he talks about how a lot of times in life, our doing outweighs our being. And so there are, there are times where we're just doing, 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 and we never have time to just sit and be with God. And he even talks about how we will sometimes use doing things for God to avoid being with God. There are so many things that, that could be done or that, that have to be done. It's like, I'm going to do this and I'm doing it for God, but I'm going to leave him out of the picture and just avoid that heart-to-heart connection with him. Sometimes it's like, God, I would like to just sit and talk with you, but I ain't got time. No, that, like being with Jesus is the most important thing that we can do. And so we have to work really hard to guard our lives and not overfill it and carve out time to slow down so that our doing for Jesus flows out of our being with Jesus. Because if it doesn't, then we don't have any source of life or power or goodness or love. We have to make sure that we stop the hurry slow down, spend time with Jesus, and then go out and do the things that he calls us to do, right? We've talked about solitude, how it's important that we get alone, the idea of solitude and silence. And we see Jesus doing this over and over again in his, his life and his ministry. There will be times where he just goes off to the mountain to pray and to be alone and to seek the Father. Even in times where it's like, um, there's lots happening. There's, there's a, a lot to do. There are a lot of people who are looking for him, who are demanding attention, asking for his help. He still takes time, and he goes off by himself with the Father. And it's, it's that time with the Father that enables him to do the things that he does on earth. So we want to be seeking times where we are alone with God, and we turn off all the stuff in life, all the distractions. You ever... God, uh, I don't want to say, th- okay, so I'll, I'll share a story. I was going to say something in general, but I'll share a story. Um, Agnes's mother, Lily, um, spent the, a large portion at the end of her life over at the nursing home. And I would go over every few weeks or so and just have time to sit and talk with her and visit. But she always had the TV on. 
And it was always on in the background. And I don't know about you guys, but whenever I see something flashing and moving, like I just like zone in on it, right? And I hear something and like, here I am, I'm trying to talk to Lily and have, you know, a, a, a good conversation with her. And then like there's a game show and like, hmm, what's going on here? Like, and it, that TV is just always on in the background. And so this, this kind of got to be a thing and Agnes and I would joke about it. And she's like, Agnes is like, just tell her to turn it off, you know? And so like, so kind of got to the point where I was like, hey, Lily, can we turn that off so just we can, because we weren't really just sitting there watching it anyway. We had to like turn it off. And so like, that's kind of how it has to be with us and God, right? There's like, turn the noise off, go somewhere. Put the, it's okay to put that phone down for a couple hours. Like the world is not going to fall apart. It's not going to catch on fire and, and burn up. I mean, it might, but it'll still be okay because because God is in control, it's okay to set that stuff aside and focus in on him, all right? So silence and solitude, the importance of scripture and, and digging into God's word and listening to what he says through his word. We talked about the principle of Sabbath, a 24-hour period a week where we stop and we rest, how we were not um, made to be machines just doing and doing and doing and going, how we're not slaves Right? One of the reasons that God gives Israel the Sabbath as a sign is because they were slaves in Egypt and they were just driven all the time. And he's saying, no, that's not, that's not who I am. I'm not a slave driver. I, I'm the God who calls you to work, yes, but I also am the God of rest. We see the pattern that God lays down in creation, how in six days he creates and on the seventh he rests. And he sets that as a, as a pattern for us. Not, not as a law as it was for Israel, but as a, as a spiritual practice of saying, God, you're in control of the world. I am not. God, I'm dependent upon you. I don't have to work 24-7 all the time to provide for myself. I can rest in knowing that you are the provider and I am dependent upon you. And so we take that time on a regular basis, once a week, to just rest in God. And then we talked about the idea of simplicity, how we don't get wrapped up in the things of life, that, that we don't have to worry because he, he feeds the sparrows and he clothes the lilies. And we can just trust in him and focus solely on him instead of being wrapped up in all the things of the earth, right? We set our mind on earthly things and we live simple lives. It's okay to say no if someone asks you to do something. It's okay to, if, if someone says, hey, you want to go over here? You can say, well, you know, I've been really busy lately and I just, I just need to take a day to, to rest and recharge. It's okay to say that. Like, this is a community that we want to we be able to say no when it's appropriate. Yes, there are times we work hard and we sacrifice and we give, but there are also times where we say, no, I, I've got to take some time to recover and to be with Jesus so that I can keep this up. For the marathon that we're on, right? We talked about this race is not a sprint, but it's a, but it's a marathon, right? So these are the things that I think are important for us as we think about deepening our communion with God. There are other things like worship, um, prayers involved in here, um, but we, we could talk about those in detail. But those are the kinds of things that, for me, I'm just kind of reminding myself of as I'm going through the day and going through the year. Like, how am I doing in these areas to slow down and connect and actually be with God, Right? So the first area is communion with, with God. And the second area is our community, our life together with other people, that we want to build community. We want to strengthen community. We see here in the scriptures that God commands us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And it's important that we remember that this command is connected with the first command that we looked at just a moment ago in Luke 
um, Luke 10, 27, right? Um, they're asking the question, how can I inherit eternal life? Or uh, at another point in Scripture, Jesus is asked, asked, what's the greatest commandment? And, and Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Or in another instance, he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus holds up these two commands, love God and love your neighbor. And it's important to understand that you can't separate these two. You can't love God and hate your neighbor. John tells us this later in 1 John. If anyone says he loves God, claims to love God, but, but doesn't love his brother, the love of God is not in him, right? So we cannot separate love for God and love for other people. We live in relationships with our neighbors, all the people around us, and we need to understand that they are people made in the image of God, just as we are. And we need to treat them as a special creation of God made in his image. When you speak to that person, you're speaking to someone who's made in the image of God. You're speaking to a son or a daughter of God. And Jesus says that love is the way that everyone will know that we're followers of him, right? In John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So our love in the community of believers is a way that we testify that we are followers of Jesus. And fellowship is important. It has to do with connection and encouragement and warning and teaching and instruction and building others up. Like we want to stay connected in this community. And as we've talked through this, and looked at what it really means to love, we're reminded that love is the ultimate marker of spiritual maturity. In 1 Corinthians 13, it's often called the love chapter, and, and it's in the middle of a, a section about spiritual gifts. And in the middle of this uh, talk about how spiritual gifts are to operate, manifestations of the Spirit, miracles, prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, speaking in tongues, healings, those types of things. That, that mark the community of believers. He says, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And he says to the Corinthians, you guys are pursuing you know, these, these spiritual experiences, and there's nothing wrong with those spiritual experiences, but if you do all those things and you don't have love, you're missing it, right? He says, if you can speak in the tongues of men and angels, but you don't have love, you're, you're just a, a, a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal, right? He says, if you can fathom all knowledge and know all mysteries, but you don't have love, you're nothing. He says, if you give everything that you have, but you don't have love, it doesn't get you anywhere. That, that love is the ultimate marker of spiritual maturity. Not just my love for God, but the way that I love other people. So we began asking the question, like, how is it that we love others well? And we talked about some skills, and I'll just kind of refresh our memory here. We talked about listening well. That when you have a conversation with someone, <laughs> turn off the TV so that, you can, so that you can focus in on what they're saying, right? If you were reading a book, or this one, I, I'm, I'm bad about this sometimes, right? Someone comes into my office, I'm sitting at my computer, I was in the middle of something. Push the keyboard away, turn the screen away so that I can focus in and shift my attention. Like, shut down the program, 
focus in on the person, right? Like, pay attention to what they say. Repeat it back to them in in your own words to make sure that you're understanding. Strive for understanding. Don't just get hung up on the literal words that come out of their mouth, but what is it that they are trying to communicate? Because sometimes we're not the best communicators. Sometimes we don't put it in in the, the best words. And so we have to work towards this mutual understanding of I get what the, I get your heart and the heart of what you're saying, right? We, we listen, we speak the truth in love, that, that we're not afraid to tell someone how we see things, we're not afraid to tell someone how we feel, that, that we're okay confronting or disagreeing or, or saying something that, that the other person might not like, but we don't do it brashly, we don't do it rudely, we don't, we're not harsh about it, we're not trying to pound them down, but rather we gently and lovingly say, this is what I think, and this is what I see. Uh, don't read minds. And this actually goes both ways. Don't assume you know what the other person is thinking or doing. Don't assume that you know why they did it. Ask yourself this. The, the last thing that you did, why'd you do it? Um, maybe you have a clear answer, and maybe you're like, I don't know why I did that, right? But whenever somebody does something, it's like, we know exactly why they did it. No, we don't. We don't know why we do half the things we do. How can we know what they, why they do what they do, right? Like, it's just like, so stop assuming things. And if you make a, an assumption, it's okay to say, hey, I, are you thinking this? Because this is what I'm thinking that you're thinking. But is that true? And that person could say, yeah. Or that person can say, no, that wasn't what I was thinking at all. Don't read other people's minds, and don't expect them to read your minds. Come on, you've had this, this, this conversation before. Well, if you really loved me, you would know why I'm upset. Have you heard that conversation before? Had that conversation before? Said those words, right? That's nonsense. I just tell you now, that's nonsense. That doesn't work. I am not a mind reader, I can't read your mind. And the other person is not a mind reader, they can't. They might have some good guesses, but, but don't expect other people to just know how you feel or what you want or what you think without you speaking it to them. And it's okay to ask for what you want. If someone's doing something that you don't like, hey, will you please stop that, I don't like that. That we show gratitude that even when there's, there's a, a complaint, and there are some legitimate complaints to be made, that we do it with grace. That it's like, hey, I'm noticing this, and I would like you to stop because I don't, I don't like that. But, but thank you for doing what you're doing. And like, that we just constantly would be people of thanksgiving and gratitude, even when we have to talk about something that's difficult. And when it comes to that, we want to fight fair, that there is a way to do conflict um, that doesn't bring destruction but rather brings people together. And so we're, we're not afraid to get into a disagreement, but we also don't go into the disagreement seeking to destroy someone personally, but rather seeking to work toward agreement and work toward mutual understanding that there is a way to fight fair, to, to speak assertively about what I want and what I desire and what my needs are and how I would like you to act. And then we can negotiate how that's going to play out. Maybe you say no, maybe I'd be willing to do this, or maybe if you could do this, I could help you over here. There's this negotiation that happens, but, but conflict in, a, in and of itself is not a bad thing. It is, if in a loving relationship, 
even when there's disagreement, if both people are looking out for the good of the other person and wanting what's best for the situation, you can work toward a healthy resolution of a problem. There are going to be times that we as, as sinners are going to make mistakes. Maybe we're going to be rude. Maybe we're going to be unthoughtful, um, not considerate, uncaring. And in those situations, if we say something that, that we shouldn't have or do something that we shouldn't have, we need to be able to go to the other person and confess that fault. And if someone wrongs us, we need to be ready to forgive just as Jesus forgave us, right? And in all this, we seek to serve one another in love. That, that we want to have real relationships, not just, just kind of fake, hi, how are you, relationships with no real depth, but we want to be able to, to open up and truly love our neighbors as ourselves. And that takes vulnerability. It takes showing our weaknesses sometimes. But we can truly have connection with another person as we treat them as the beloved image of God that they are. So we want to deepen our communion with God and we want to strengthen our sense of community with the people around us. And then that leads us into the third area that God, is, God has for us, and that's our calling. And we've been talking uh, about this over, I don't know, the last, this is the last section of kind of where we've been. This, again, this has been, been a two-year journey where we've been talking through these different aspects of life. Um, but we're told in Scripture that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So our calling then relates to what on earth is it that we're supposed to be doing with our time, with our energy, with our, with our efforts. As we're connecting with God and as we're connecting with those around us, um, God has work for us to do. It's not just like sit around and on the couch and, and do nothing. Like that feels good for a time. Like there are days, Sabbath, man, I need that. But if I do that too long, I start to feel miserable, right? Like you ever been on a vacation and it's a week or two weeks and it feels great and then it's like, I got to get back to work. There's some stuff that needs done, right? Like it's because we're, we're made to, to create and to produce blessing from the stuff that God has for us. And so God has plans and purposes for us. And we're reminded that, that each follower of Jesus is called to full-time service, full-time ministry. There's, there's, no, there's no divide between like those who get get paid to do ministry, and those who volunteer to do ministry. Every believer of Jesus, no matter how you earn your living, every follower of Jesus is called to serve him full time. What the scripture says is that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, right? So however we spend our time, it all belongs to him whether it's at work, paid work, or at home, unpaid work, we're volunteering, taking care of family. We do everything as service, as ministry unto Jesus. This calling that he has for us to do good works covers two areas. Creation and redemption. So in relation to creation, we're told about man's purpose. And when God put them in the garden, when God created humanity, it says God blessed them and said, um, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish 
in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. As God's image bearers, we were supposed to, we're supposed to represent him on the earth, right? And so God is a creative God. And so we're to take what he's given us and create and produce blessing and to serve one another. It's really neat how God set up things. When, when you've got a community of, of, of people working together, that, that we earn our living by serving one another. And, and like the, the, the most ideal sense of this, this picture of, of living life, like there are some things that you're good at. And there are some things that I'm good at. And we serve one another and we trade value for these things. We pay for these things. And I earn a living by serving other people and you earn a living by serving other people in whatever different skills that you have. That we create blessing and goodness for our neighbors through service. And we also provide for ourselves in that way. So in the realm of creation, we work and we produce blessing. But also in, in the realm of redemption where the, the world is fallen and broken we're called to share the good news of this life that we have in Jesus. In, in Matthew 28, Jesus tells his disciples, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, right? This, this, this calling to go out and share the good news of the kingdom of God, that God is here to set all things right, to make all things new, to heal the broken, to restore the hurting. God has salvation and deliverance from the powers of darkness, the power of sin and death, that there is true life in the name of Jesus. And all these categories, they're not mutually exclusive, like communion and community and calling, but they're, they're all interconnected. Jesus says, I'm sending you out to do something, but remember, I'm with you along the way. I'm having communion with you on the way. And it's, so as we just sum up this idea of calling, then these would be the categories that we serve the Lord always, that whatever it is that we're doing, work, paid, unpaid, doesn't matter, that we're doing it unto him. We're serving people as if they were Jesus, that we're serving one another in love for their good, that we're not um, using people to get what we want, that we're not trying to take advantage of people, but when, when we serve that we're doing it in love, seeking their benefit, that we cultivate blessing on the earth, abundance on the earth, and that we bear witness to Jesus. And this is what we've been talking about, this, this last piece of it, is how it is that we bear witness to Jesus, where we finished up the end of last year. We're going to be continuing this line of bearing witness to Jesus in the midst of our culture, in the midst of our daily lives, and the things that we run into. We're going to be talking about different questions that, that arise from that. But, but overall, our calling is that we are serving the Lord and one another, bringing blessing and bearing witness to Jesus. So we think about living well, and again, this was like almost two years worth of teaching that we just summarized. So I know I threw a lot at you this morning, but it has all been purposeful. Maybe the sermons seem a little random and where'd that come from and, you know, where are we going next and all these kinds of things, but there has been an overarching theme about what it is that we are supposed to be and do as followers of Jesus, especially here as we're talking about at New Life, right? And that is that we want to live well. We want to experience the life that Jesus offers, the abundant 
life that is found in his name, that we want to be healthy and that we want to be whole in him. We can't do it on our own. You can't fix everybody. I can't fix everybody. Jesus is the one who brings healing and wholeness and peace and well-being. So in order to do that, we want to strive to deepen our communion with God. We want to work at strengthening our community, our connection with one another, building real, genuine relationships. And we want to walk in our calling that there are some things that God has for us to do. There are things that God has for us to do corporately as a body, and there are things that God has for us to do individually. In each and every one of you, in your own lives, there are things that God says, be here, do this thing, serve the community in this way. And God, through His Spirit, empowers us to bear witness to Jesus, the one who brings life, the one who offers eternal life. And again, it's about knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So in the next few minutes as we wrap this up, I want to invite you to just kind of think through these different areas, communion, community, calling, and just ask the Lord to show you is there something in particular that you're doing well? Is there something in particular that, that he's calling you to work on, to grow in these areas? And again, this is, is not just like, oh, I feel bad because I'm falling short. But if I really want the life that Jesus has for me, then I need to live the Jesus way. And so how is it that I can draw closer to him through these spiritual disciplines of, of communing with God, connecting with others, and serving following our calling. We, we want that abundant life that Jesus has for us. We're going to just take some time in silence and listen for his voice. God, where is it that you have me? Is there a particular aspect that I need to be focusing on right now? Holy Spirit, what is it that you would say to me so that I might live well with you?
Father God, we just thank you for this moment to just simply be still and know that you are God. We thank you that you offer us life and life eternal. It's not just something that we experience in the future, something that we look to, but you say that we have eternal life now, that those who put their trust in you, who put their faith in you, walk in that eternal life now. And so God, I pray that each of us, as we pursue you day by day, as we fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith, would be able to walk in the life that you have for us that we would draw near to you, that we would open up ourselves, our lives to those around us, and that we might be able to serve you and follow your leading as we declare your glory and praise. And I pray that you would help each one of us to know you better and to experience your life in a deeper way. In Jesus' name, amen.